0: All right, and welcome to a new episode of the StatCast with your hosts, Harrison Friedman and Sam Greeman. We are bringing you a little bit smaller of an episode today because we are excited for a much bigger episode on Monday, once we most likely at the very least actually know what our World Series is going to look like. Because, well, it looks like the Rays are going to be the AL representative in it. We actually thought the Rays might have already clinched by this time, but I guess the the Ashes are still kicking somehow the Braves and Dodgers series seems like it might end up being a long one. And so we're going to wait till Monday to wrap that one up and then give you a full World Series preview. But in the meantime, I don't know if the NBA Finals ended kind of how we predicted. We want to talk college football because we love talking about college football, but it's never actually really made it into the podcast before. But Sam, what about you? Um,
1: Our college football takes are very general. Just want to point it out there. Yeah. Um, obviously there's a lot of, not a lot of parody in college football, but it's still fun to talk about the teams at the top and the teams that are trying to get to the top, but first
0: Milo Hamilton Swinging And we're back. So, Sam, we saw that the Lakers ended up winning the NBA Finals, sort of how we expected. It went six games, which was, I don't know, due to, once again, Jimmy Butler deciding that he had to turn superhuman. But unfortunately, it's maybe like a Clark Kent kind of thing where, I don't know if this actually happened to Superman and Clark Kent, but like two days later, he is back to being sort of just like a regular, decently strong, small forward. And that's about
1: it. So, yeah, yeah. it's unfortunate. Um, game six, man, was that just a bad game?
0: Yeah, but I almost kind of liked it because you have like, I don't know. Obviously, we knew LeBron was going to win. Obviously, we knew that the Lakers were going to win. But every team wants to win the title in a game like game seven of 2016 or something like that, where you win this insane back and forth crazy game where no one knows what's going to happen. And then you win it on a crazy buzzer beater. Almost happened in Game 5. Did not happen in Game 5 because Danny Green missed a wide, wide, wide open three-pointer. But and then it's, he yeah.
1: proceeded to get blasted for no reason. Probably for missing a wide, 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 well, yes, wide Yes, but still, he got blasted harder than he should have.
0: Yeah, and we knew Danny Green wasn't doing well. We knew he was a shrieky shooter this entire playoffs. We knew that, like, there was a reason why he ended up being so wide open. But I don't know. Might want to um, fault Marcus Morris too for trying to throw Anthony. Markeef. Markeef? I'm not going to get it right. Uh, it doesn't matter if we're being quite honest which Morris yeah, it is. You just keep saying that. Uh, that it doesn't matter? Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter. I'm sorry, but like the most amazing thing about them is that they were actually drafted back to back in the NBA draft. Of course, the Rockets could have had Kawhi Leonard. Who was drafted right after that, and the Suns also, I guess, could have had Kawhi Leonard because they drafted Marquise before Marcus. But yeah, anyway, Marquise Morris lasted further than Kawhi Leonard this year, even though he threw a ba- threw a basketball just as far out of bounds as he could do, it, as he could do it apparently, which is maybe a better move than throwing to AD on the low block. I don't know what AD on the low block how how often that really works.
1: But yeah, I don't think I don't think the efficiency is that great. Yeah, so. Anyway, though, the Lakers, I, don't know, I was excited to watch
0: the game, analyze some film, see what the Heat were going to bring, see what the Lakers were going to bring.
1: Well, we saw what the Lakers brought. We saw that they brought... Um, they brought and it, scoring in the paint, and the Heat said, yeah, you can, guys can score in the paint. We'll, we'll, we'll be fine here.
0: Yeah, and the, the Heat also were like, hmm, should we do stuff on offense and the Lakers like you know you know what I bet it would be a great if you didn't and so we're just going to play the most locked in defense we have played all series props to gotta say props to LeBron James and props to Frank Vogel I don't know what really happened in game five where they were like hmm Anthony Davis and Jimmy Butler worked so well in the last game let's play Dwight Howard for 15 minutes and have him be a minus god knows what in a game that gets decided by one point at the end technically three but that was on free throws but
1: Instead they uh put Caruso out there Yes. Who, man, his picture after of him shirtless, just really tough look for him.
0: You know what? I think it was a great look for him. I mean, Jr. Smith, we we know who is on that team, yeah, and his it, it took it took it took Gianotto. him about
1: half a second for his shirt to come off. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, it took. I think if we're counting like by half a second after they won the title, it took him maybe like negative two seconds for it to come off because it when the clock had not yet hit zero, his shirt was already off. Yeah. So, I mean, he technically probably could have taken it off at like halftime and it still wouldn't have been that much of an issue because the series was very much over at that point. I think the Lakers won the second quarter 36 to 16,
1: but Yeah, oof. it was 64 to, it was like almost 30 points at halftime.
0: I think it was like 64 to 34 or something nuts like that.
1: But yeah,
0: one thing that was nice that we saw was the return of Goran Dragic and our attempts to pronounce his name correctly who he wasn't like that effective, but he wasn't bad. He did have a positive plus minus, but it's just because I think that he ended up playing in the minutes where the Lakers weren't caring all that much. But it did show that like even a Hobble Dragic that we the one we saw in Game 6 would have been pretty helpful for the Heat in the games that they lost because he was able to facilitate relatively effectively, even though he obviously lost pretty much all of his driving ability.
1: Yeah, I don't... Do you think they would have made, pushed it to 7 if he was healthy the whole series? Oh, absolutely.
0: The fact that they pushed it to 6 without him being healthy and they lost both of the games that he actually played in where he was either injured or very ineffective kind of shows you. I feel like... One of the blowout, one of the games that they, they won both of their games by the skin of their teeth, basically. I think that, first of all, Jimmy Butler doesn't have to play as much because you actually have a good facilitator in Dragic. Yeah, he just I
1: th- left it all on the line. It was
0: I, tough to see. I think they win game two if Dragic plays, and I still think they win games three and five. I think they lose in seven, but I think they actually are up. Two one and then three to two if they have dragage. I think one of those. Yeah, I think one of those close games it gives them a little more breathing room and they end up somehow pulling out either games two or four. I think game two because that would have been the best time for them to respond. Although Bam was hurt, but yeah, I mean, I still think they lose the series, so it's not that much.
1: I mean, I tend to agree. I, I actually don't think it would have gone seven though. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't see the Lakers losing three games to even a team with Dragic.
0: I mean, that's quite fair. It's possible that maybe LeBron and AD are a little more locked in for a game like Game 5, and then they just win. Let's say it's 2-2 after Game 4, and LeBron and AD are not going to be like, ah, lollygagging a bit. Let's throw Dwight Howard in there. They're going to lock down and maybe try to maybe win a close Game 5 and a blow in Game 6. We, we have no way of knowing, but regardless, Lakers are your NBA champions. Yeah, unfortunately. Well, I kind of... By the end, I kind of grew to like this Lakers team, even though, yeah, it's the Lakers and yeah, it's LeBron. Anthony Davis is a really fun guy to watch and realize that there's nobody in the NBA who can really stop him. And so we spent so long wondering how anyone could do anything to stop LeBron. And now for the next probably five or six years, we're going to wonder how there's anyone who can do anything to stop AD. Because unlike someone like Giannis, AD can consistently hit outside shots. Unlike someone like Nikola Jokic, AD can play really good defense outside in the perimeter. And so it's kind of that do-everything thing. Uh, One of the most, like, I don't know, one of the most intriguing things to say about someone is that they're really good when they're locked in. And so AD obviously was locked in a lot more, and he did have the help that he kind of needed because I don't think he's a do-it-all-by-himself kind of guy since he's not
1: actually like a ball handler, really. Yeah, he does not have point-forward capabilities. Absolutely.
0: But at the same time, like, I'm perfectly okay with him running the break. I think he'll do a great job of that. Even if he does maybe tend to foul, uh, draw more offense, like commit more offensive fouls than someone else his size might. I don't know. It's – I wonder what you do if, like, you're the Golden State Warriors at this point because even if you play small ball against them, AD can sort of hinder that by, like, oh, Steph's not going to do his – crazy little fancy layups that he tries doing or like AD is gonna close out on Steph and while we did see the Warriors absolutely smoke uh not absolutely smoke is I think there was one close game uh against the Pelicans a few years back where it was Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis instead of LeBron James and Anthony Davis I don't know I think this Warriors team is a little shakier especially in the with the lack of Kevin Durant
1: Man, it's too early for me to even be thinking about the next season because we don't even know when the next season is going to start.
0: I, I'm i excited to think about next season already just because like we saw this Lakers team and we saw what it could do and there was no one who could stop it. And so now you have an NBA who realized, okay, the Lakers are for real. Now how do we stop them? And that's sort of going to be the focus on all, on all this. And even though it's not a great free agent class and it's not a great draft class, so it's mostly going to be teams trying to work with what they have we still get to see teams like the way that they're going to be coaching next season and the way that they're going to maybe sign a few maybe a few big men vets instead of uh, some guards but i'm intrigued to see like who can stop this lakers team because like i don't know i this might just be us but neither of us predicted the lakers to like win the league right uh back in february i did but back in i don't know last september or october
1: well, I mean, no, ago. I didn't, but that's because I would never pick a team that I don't like. That's fair. Um,
0: but what I guess I'm trying to get at is... That's absolutely
1: false, by the way. I would pick a team yeah, that I don't yeah,
0: like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You pick the Yankees to do things constantly, so I don't buy it. But the thing with the... Think the Rock... do you think the Rockets yeah. have the chance next season? Nah. We have the chance to make the second round. We have the chance to, in some insane way, challenge to make the conference finals, but I don't think we're going to actually make it. There are too many good teams. One... I guess it's basically, we thought that the Lakers might need some time to meld together, but they ended up being too good for other teams to really beat them on any given night. And they were too good, except in the bubble where they did have to get some stuff together, but they really were too good to be beat on any given night in the playoffs too. And so it's sort of like that Chiefs thing where even when Patrick Mahomes has a bad night, he always seems to have a great statistical line anyway. Patrick Mahomes doesn't really have bad games. He just has games where he isn't Patrick Mahomes in all caps. So that's what PSPN I kind of feel what's Lakers
1: He Still finds a way to tweet highlights with like Mahomes isn't like everybody else with just like regular highlights.
0: But but Mahomes isn't like any everybody else. I, yeah,
1: but it's like it's the same thing with LeBron. It's like we don't need yeah. to be constantly reminded.
0: That's fair. Although I Absolutely will stand for Patrick Mahomes every single time, like ever since his Texas Tech days. And Well, yeah. I mean, yes, I agree. He's so, special. Yeah. Speaking of that, we could get into college football in just a sec, but is there anything else more that you want to touch on from the finals, from the bubble? Sorry, you
1: said play- more? Yeah. More? More?
0: E? More? E? E? <sighs> Dang, I almost, I almost forgot about that at this point. But yeah, some bad stuff happened. Sam, so why don't you uh, tell listeners about it?
1: Yeah, Daryl Morey stepped down. He is no longer the GM of the Rockets.
0: Yeah, Daryl Morey. Yeah, go ahead. It,
1: it very much um, presents a new direction that the Rockets are going in. And there, it seems like they're going to finally go away from shooting 43s a game.
0: Nah, they're going to shoot 45 next year. Bank on it. Um, yeah, so Daryl Morey, one of the first like leaders of analytics in the sport of basketball, um, He founded the MIT Sloan Sports Conference, which started out just being in a few MIT classrooms and is now possibly the biggest sports conference in the world, bringing analytics together. It's not like he has to quit doing that. But also at the same time, he was a general manager of the Houston Rockets and redefined what it meant to win NBA basketball games. Also, he didn't die. So it's not like RIP Daryl Moore. He just was like, yeah, it's, it's been a little too much for me. He was the GM for 13 years. He's actually started out with your Boston Celtics, which I'm sure you know. Yes. And I mean, like he's started in Massachusetts. So he went to MIT. So I'm not that surprised he started with Celtics. But the thing about Maury is Maury ball is how the game is played now. If you're watching a basketball game and you see people shooting a bunch of threes instead of twos, that's because Daryl Morey realized that, oh, yeah, it's actually worth it. But I find it kind of interesting that this is the time that he quits because I feel like at least recently on the podcast or in other things, people have been kind of wondering, Well, is the three always the right thing to do? Because obviously it doesn't necessarily look aesthetically beautiful, but I mean, that doesn't really matter if you're trying to win basketball games. But this Lakers team won a lot by, I I guess, packing in the paint is also, like shooting in the paint is also a Maury thing because people kind of
1: forget that Maury wants layups and threes, not just threes and threes and threes. Well, I mean, he wants the three most... Efficient shots, which are shots at the rim, free throws, and three pointers. Exactly.
0: And this Lakers team did relatively well shooting what I would call probably the the quintessential Maury shot, which are the corner threes. Maybe not that well shooting above the break threes,
1: but they weren't that good at the free throw line, I don't think.
0: That's true. Although Anthony Davis, I believe, at one point was 27 for 27, like through a few games, which is really impressive for a guy his size. But I mean, he does have some beautiful shooting touch. But I wonder what we see in terms of like NBA style offenses in the coming years, because for a while we had very different offenses on different teams and everyone played in a different direction. And now it's sort of like, oh, the three works. So we're sort of going to focus our offense on generating a lot of three pointers. And we saw teams like
1: Miami. Pass pist- out. us of- the Pistons, Grizzlies or Kings that yes. you don't shoot.
0: Well, those teams have the unfortunate issue of being managed and coached terribly and or having a stable of ter- terrible players. Not not the Grizzlies, not the Grizzlies. They're coached and um, they've coached well and they have good players, but I'm talking about the other two, I think. But yeah, we saw Miami pass out of a bunch of relatively wide open layups because they were kind of worried maybe AD was going to block it. Maybe we have got a wide open three-point shot. Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. Two skinny white guys who you wouldn't really think have that much of a place in the NBA were bombing three-pointers. Duncan Robinson, who started at Williams College in Division Three before making it to uh, your Michigan before Wolverines. Before Michigan. Before making it to your Michigan Wolverines, like I said. But I don't know. I'm intrigued to see what happens over the course of the next five years. I'm intrigued to see if Maury does indeed land another job in the NBA, which I can't expect, I can't imagine would be like this offseason, but perhaps next offseason. I know that Sixers fans just love the idea of Daryl Morey, but Elton Brand is probably going to stick around there if we had to guess. Which is it.
1: very unfortunate because he's very much pushing to win now when they're not going to win now. I mean, they should be winning now. Not <laughs> with, with two superstars
0: the in their prime, the issue is how badly they fit together. Listen, if Daryl Morey goes in there, he's immediately trading one of the two. We know that would happen. So, that's that, like that's that's any a any person yeah. would. That's the break glass in case of emergency thing. It's Fire Elton Brand, bring in Daryl Morey, so you have an excuse to trade one of Simmons and me. But I don't know how we got into talking about the Sixers. The Probably, I don't know if they're the largest dumpster fire of the NBA over the past several years, but at the very least, uh, they've Kings. been the most interesting team. Yeah. They're not a dumpster fire per se. I don't know when the last time they won a playoff game was, but uh, I guess it was with Jimmy Butler. But yeah, we shall see what happens there. This Rocket situation... For the
1: future of the Rockets, I don't know. What do you expect from them? Because I can't say I have high hopes. Do you think Harden gets traded? A lot of people are saying that Harden gets traded now.
0: I actually was on the trade Harden bandwagon a little while ago before all this Maury stuff went down because I feel like that's the only thing you can do to help your team. One of the most, I think, prescient tweets that I saw was very soon after the Rockets trade for Russell Westbrook, someone said on Twitter, Russell Westbrook is going to be part, a part of the Houston Rockets organization further on into the future than James Harden will be. And that scared me, but I realized that it was absolutely true. The, th- the only way for the Rockets to rebuild would be to trade James Harden for some bundle of picks and young players. But I don't even know what kind of team is, is offering that at a time like this. Because the only one that really makes sense is a team like, who actually has that kind of collection is someone like New Orleans, but they literally just traded their superstar to do that. Maybe Milwaukee, maybe Dallas, I think, is like a kind of a fascinating one, although extremely unlikely, Unlikely, maybe San Antonio. But is there anyone that you see as like a possible Harden destination?
1: I honestly think he's 100% staying. I think he needs to have a bad season before they even think about trading him.
0: Yeah. And we know James Harden doesn't really have bad seasons. Mm. Well, when was the last time James Harden had a bad season? Were you? When was the last time James Harden didn't finish in the top three voting of the NBA um, MVP? I
1: mean, I'm not saying that he's close to it, but I feel like dealing him for picks when these picks, at least especially this year, aren't going to be good. Next year's the double draft, right?
0: Next year is probably not the double draft, probably in two years.
1: Two years. So, I mean, you could bank I, on that, I just, but...
0: I just had a thought, and it's trading James Harden to OKC, but uh put uh trade james harden for chris paul and sga (laughs) put chris paul and russell westbrook together on the rockets no no that's not real it's not real that that, that wouldn't that would never happen right
1: uh you're saying it but like it feels like it could happen i wouldn't be surprised if it did happen i'd be surprised but i wouldn't be saying like no way
0: all I'm saying is I think there is absolutely a non-zero chance that James Harden or Giannis Antetokounmpo both get both get traded this offseason. I think both of those things would be insane, but I also think that teams like Dallas and OKC and New Orleans are kind of positioned really well for something like that to happen. And that's sort of well, how the Rockets position themselves to trade for James Harden in the first place in Daryl Morey's greatest coup of all time and probably the greatest NBA trade of all time. So I don't know. I guess we'll see. Uh, is there is, is there any other team that you think even has a chance of pulling off a trade like that?
1: Uh, with the cap going down and slash staying where it is, no. Yeah. got I, I mean, I guess a trade wouldn't. Which really... which
0: team is built to offer a trade like that? Serious question.
1: Who has the most assets? Honestly, OKC has a lot of assets. Yeah,
0: it's OKC, it's Dallas, and it's New Orleans. They're all for different reasons, but they've all got the assets. Because Dallas could probably pull off a trade without trading Luca. Um, I
1: think, feel like they could trade Porzingis. I feel like trading exactly. Porzingis would be a good idea if if they could get Harden back.
0: If you, trade, if you pair Porzingis for first-round picks and literally anything else you can throw in there for either Harden or Giannis, maybe you could do it. We could see. I don't know how likely any of that is, but if you're one of those three teams, those are two of the top six or seven players in the NBA right now. Probably both top five, and you probably should go for it. Definitely the top two available, at the very least. Yes. So I'm intrigued to see how those teams go. And yeah, I don't know if there's any any Milwaukee fans who listen to this, but yeah, I feel like Giannis absolutely is a possibility to get traded this year. So I, I'm I'm excited for how trades go this offseason, even though it is obviously very possible that with the shrinking salary cap, we don't actually see very much of them. Now, maybe I'll go play around trade machine after this. But... So do you want—we talked um, about—that's enough, I think, basketball for now. Like we said in the introduction, we will get into baseball on Monday night, so for Tuesday, when we can give you a full World Series preview, when they play in Arlington, Texas, in one of the most looking like a grill stadiums ever created. But do you want to get into something else that happened uh, relatively close to Arlington, Texas, last
1: Saturday? Oh, are you talking about UT? <laughs> well, yeah. like, that's not even a... Man, I just had to go just, for that transition. It's like, but like, n- nothing good happened.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. We don't talk college football much on here, but I'm a, Sam and I are fans, respectively, I think, if you put him first, of the two winningest teams in college football history, the Michigan Wolverines and the Uni- University of Texas Longhorns.
1: I mean, no, I the football, I'm Iowa. Football, you're Iowa? All my my entire grandparents' side, uh, on my mom's side, went to Iowa, and our and our Big Hawkeye fans.
0: Why would you root for Michigan basketball and Iowa football? I mean, yes, Michigan in the basketball past. was
1: the first college team I watched, and oh Iowa God. Hawkeyes. Yeah,
0: this is what hap- Sorry, this is what happens to people in the Northeast and up north. There are no good college sports teams, and so you are forced to root for the most random Big Ten teams that don't make any geographical sense. I'm sorry. The fact that New York does not have any good basketball teams, the fact that like, I don't know, St. John's or something like that is not a good team or even like Villanova is kind of far away from Massachusetts. It's kind of an embarrassment, I got to say. Also, it's also hilarious that California has no good teams in uh, either basketball or football. But that's yeah, USC
1: and Stanford really just fell off. And UCLA. UCLA. UCLA used to have. I I love UCLA.
0: UCLA is so much fun now because they got Mick Cronin as their college basketball coach. But I digress. Anyway, at least I was born in Austin. So like there's the Texas factor. But anyway, UT is kind of in a mess. So University of Texas and Oklahoma um, are two of the most storied programs in college football history. They play in the Red River Rivalry Showdown once a year. This was probably the weirdest one yet. I mean, I don't know how many fans there were. I think there were, like, 10,000, and they were, like, rushing from end zone to end zone at some point, which I don't know how that works with COVID. You do you, Dallas. But anyway, um, both of these teams have obviously not had things be going well for them. UT and Oklahoma almost had the same 1-2 and two record going in, which would have been one of the worst records for them to ever have going into the Red River rivalry. UT somehow pulled off an insane win where they were down 15 points with three minutes left and beat TCU. Not very good TCU team in overtime, but then they lost and yeah. Or maybe they lost. I think they lost to TCU and they beat Tech the previous week. But anyway, Oklahoma somehow also lost impossibly. You'd think that Oklahoma would be good, but their five-star
1: true freshman quarterback Spencer Rattler apparently was not all that great. They're the two highest scoring teams, Oklahoma and Texas in the Big Twelve.
0: Yes. But unfortunately that is because their defenses are What wor- once again, it's Big Twelve. No defenses played. Yeah, we're gonna get to the SEC in a sec. Don't worry. Uh um, what, what are you talking about? The SEC <laughs> games are like just full of defense. Uh you try have you checked the scoreboards lately? But anyway, uh so yeah, UT, Sam Ellinger is like Probably every possible sports movie trope about a quarterback for the University of Texas or any college football quarterback you'd ever imagine. I think he has something like seven rushing touchdowns already this season, possibly like eight or nine even. I don't know. I think he had four last Saturday. But they played this four overtime debacle where in the third overtime, UT gets a field goal blocked. And then Oklahoma, which is like, ah, oh, sweet. All we have to do to win this game is get a field goal, misses the field goal. And then UT just keeps losing yardage while Oklahoma keeps getting easy touchdowns because Texas defense is worse than Oklahoma, so their offense is not good enough to make up for it. But that was a lot of bad stuff that happened. And so UT and Oklahoma, neither of them are ranked. I don't even know the last time that happened. I can't imagine it was in either of our lifetimes.
1: But yeah, tell me about the top heavy uh, college football scene this year. I mean, there's Clemson, obviously number one. ACC, not a lot of competition there. UNC is fake. Notre Dame is fake. Excuse me, UNC what? is fake? You're just going to float right by them? Oh, I'm 100% going to float right by them. I the, Once what? again, it's the, it's the ACC. There's nobody else to play. I mean, there's, Other there, than Clemson, there's, there's several there's teams there. Play. Oh, yeah. Sure, yeah, no teams, but they, they're never they're the that's our teams. <laughs> <laughs> We're not talking about the Senators, okay? It doesn't matter if we are a team or not.
0: I'm just saying the ACC has three teams BC in the, top is five. the ACC Come on. The ACC has three teams in the top five of the AP right now in Clemson, UNC, and Notre
1: Dame, because none of them have had to face except for Clemson, anybody out of the ACC. also, yeah, also another large reason for that is that the Big twelve has
0: decided to eat itself up, just and every team has decided to kind of suck outside of OSU which I kind of believe in, even though the Pokes are not, like, really a top 10 team. And the Big Ten isn't playing, and the Pac-10 is not even going to play at all this season, I think. Or maybe they will. I think they're going to play, like, six or seven games in, like, November. But, yeah. What a strange season for college sports. You have games getting delayed. You have Miami actually being a good team until they run into uh, an obviously better Clemson team. Well, I mean, Clemson is the best team in college football. At least that that has played games this year. But I kinda like UNC. Obviously they have a coach who is near and dear to my heart. I mean yes, it's true that UNC did beat Boston College by a resounding four points, but you know, sometimes that happens.
1: BC beat Syracuse thirty one to six. BC I just wanna say
0: famously lost to Kansas football last year. Oh, that was great. You can't lose to Kansas football and call yourself a real sports team, I believe. Like not not only, are they like, a real football team, a real sports team. If you lose to Kansas football in anything, if you lose to Kansas football at like in, like, a trivia contest, I think you should be disbanded. But anyway, yeah, Kansas football beat them, which was, yeah, kind of embarrassing, we should say. But anyway, BC is okay this year. They just lost to Notre Dame, yes, you are right. Notre Dame is fake. They have the media blow lots of smoke up their butts every year because Notre Dame is... I don't know. Notre Dame is sort of like UT, except I guess a little bit more successful during the regular season and a little bit less successful during bowl season. Is that a way to put it?
1: They've only they've had to play Duke, South Florida, and Florida State. Three like, uh, three, three real, real top team. tier teams. Yeah. You say it was <laughs> they're going to run into Clemson? They run into Clemson uh, November seventh, and they're just going to get absolutely lit up. Okay, they beat F- USF like fifty two nothing. It's not like USF is a good Florida. team, but yeah. None of the directional Floridas have been good since Blake Bortles.
0: Which is a shame. And Jameis Winston. Jameis James Winston is Florida
1: State, not a, not, not a directional Florida. Oh, just a state Florida. I see what you mean.
0: Wait, UCF? Yeah. UCF was good even after Blake Bortles left. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I
1: don't know.
0: Uh, yeah, Blake Bortles like, has been in the NFL for longer than you think. So anyway, so yeah. We should probably talk about the probably the conference that's going to matter most the SEC but like big 10 oh oh who wants to really talk about a conference that cheers where the teams in the conference cheer for the conference and not for their own teams one of the stranger sensations that i've seen in the big 12 you're not just like oh yeah OSU is doing well i'm super happy as an OU fan it's not a thing imagine imagine a, a UT fan being super stoked to see Lincoln Riley uh, hoisting the national championship trophy are you kidding me man but it's because it's that they ain't played nobody us in the sec we play tough teams so everyone who comes out of the sec is sec tough it means we beat up on two division two patsies in a season instead of just one like the rest of you guys yeah we only had one win padding game no They have two wind-padding games. Uh, Yes. But we nevertheless, I think the biggest reason that we're talking about them is because the number two and the number three teams in the country are playing each other this week. Might
1: be playing. We still don't know. That's true. Okay,
0: this is insane. Like, the Patriots didn't play last week because Cam Newton and then some other guys tested positive for COVID-19. Obviously, that's bad. That's a huge deal, whatever. But, like... And what if Bill Belichick was the guy to test positive for COVID-19? That's just that opens a whole different can of worms. So Nick Saban, the greatest coach in college football right now. I almost said college football history, but I stopped myself because that would be a lie. Nick Saban, but none of the players are. But the athletic director has COVID-19, but none of the players yet. So we don't know if this matchup, which hasn't happened in the SEC regular season since 2015, is actually going to happen. But regardless, we have Alabama with the most efficient quarterback we've ever seen for the third year in a row, Mac Jones. Not not Mac Jones being the most efficient for a third year in a row, but just an Alabama quarterback being the most efficient in the sport. So they have averaged just around fifty one and a half, fifty two points a game this season. Alabama has, which are are you sure we're talking about? Are you sure that that's the league which plays defense? Can you can you be certain? Well, like, Bama gave up 48 to Ole Miss in a non-overtime game, at least in the UT game that went to overtime, like, four overtimes, I should mention. But nevertheless, um, uh, Nick Saban went up against his former, like, assistant coach, Lane Kiffin. And we should mention that there was, like, a little bit of maybe not a Spygate scandal, but maybe closer to, like, the Cardinals hacking the Astros scandal in which Lane Kiffin left Alabama but wrote down all of their old signals and seemed to, as Nick Saban put it, they always knew the right play to call against us every single time. It's a bad Southern accent because Nick Saban's Southern accent is almost definitely fake. But anyway, yeah, but Mac Jones stopped that because he somehow, only uh, through four incompletions, you know, over 32 passes, Najee Harris, who... We play we we play this game every few years with Alabama running backs. Are they good, or is their offensive line just the best in the country? Najee Harris got, ran for five touchdowns. It's, it's gotta be both. I mean, but then you have like because you've got Mark Ingram. It's like, is he the best college football back ever, or is he just gonna be okay in the NFL? Or Derrick Henry, like, is he the most the largest man we've ever seen, or will he just be just fine in the NFL? And I think we've seen that. As an Alabama back, especially like seeing people like TJ Yeldon, you have to be not only really, really good, but so great that you exceed everyone's expectations. So, Najee Harris running for five touchdowns is a good start, but we're going to need to see at least six or seven in one of the following
1: weeks to prove that he's actually going to be good. We need at least a 300 year rush.
0: But, Sam, can you tell me about? We haven't mentioned the team that they're facing, the number three in the country, the Georgia
1: Bulldogs.
0: Tell me a little bit about, about their Bulldogs quarterback. Do-
1: Corback Stetson Bennett the fourth, not to be confused with Gardner Minshew the second, has been semi lighting it up. The Georgia's not really been putting up the amount of points that say Alabama has been putting up. Um, but I mean he's only completed sixty three percent of his passes, not that fantastic if we're being honest. Yeah. Um, their running backs not that fantastic, to be honest. Yeah, they've really been getting by on some very solid defense. They haven't allowed more than, I believe, 10 points in a game. If I remember correctly,
0: they allowed 21 against Tennessee last week.
1: Right. OK, yes.
0: But I mean, Tennessee have they have, they have not
1: lost. They've not won a game by fewer than 21 points. Yes.
0: And like the and they game have there, they played by, like, 21 two,
1: and they've actually played two ranked teams. They played number seven, Auburn, and they played number 14, Tennessee.
0: Yeah. And they they crushed Auburn. Obviously, like Bo Nix is sort of like Sam Ellinger, but in the SEC. But
1: where the defense is a little better and can actually, you know, do
0: uh, I don't know if we're going to say that, but I don't know. They They're both like the kind of quarterbacks who are clutch isn't even a good enough word to describe them because that would be putting them too close to other human beings. But Bo Nix can't really be clutch when your team gets stomped 27-6 by a relatively dominant Georgia team. But Auburn was number seven in the country at the time, although they are not anymore. But Stetson Bennett the 4th is... Did you know that he was a walk-on?
1: N- with a name like Stetson Bennett the 4th he's got to be a walk-on. Like, you, But you'd also think that he's like, oh, he's QB royalty in the South. But no,
0: he is this 5'11", 190-pound guy. He's like, he's like a Jake Fromm... Wasn't this? I don't know. He, he, I don't. Know, Jake Farms is like this buttoned-up guy who like makes these quick little passes that go for a little and bit. Can't but,
1: throw accurately within thirty yards.
0: Yeah, but Setzen Bennett is this. He's almost like he's obviously he doesn't have nearly the athleticism of a he's Kyler. A Doug Murray.
1: McDermott of college football.
0: No, he's he's almost like a sort of like a Baker Mayfield. He's he's this really tough guy. Uh, there's a great piece in ESPN uh, about him just the other day, uh, but. He grew up basically playing football every single day of his life. His dad obviously was a coach. His dad, Stetson Bennett III, was his coach, which does not really surprise anybody. Uh, His nickname is The Mailman. So I don't know if it's a good thing to have the same nickname as Carl Malone or a bad thing. But nevertheless, that is his nickname.
1: championships can't be a good thing.
0: But I mean, he plays for Georgia. So you might expect that that will continue in college football. But nevertheless, he's like this guy who can make every throw He's he just does some strange. I mean, he wasn't the guy that they wanted. Obviously, he's not a scholarship quarterback. He's this guy who went to Georgia and tried out for the team. Like, ah, oh, shit, this guy's actually this guy's not bad. But I don't know. They so Wake Forest last offseason after Jake. So Jake from well, hold on, Leeds. hold on. When was the last time Georgia had a good quarterback? Stafford. Ugh, I don't know. Here's the yeah. This one was just about to get into. So Georgia like like a good NFL quarterback? You mean yes. Yeah, so Stafford is obviously the obvious one because he was the number one overall pick. But, like, Justin Fields is going to be one of the best quarterbacks who has been on the Georgia roster, but he didn't play a snap for him. Uh, he decided to go to Ohio State instead and might win the Heisman this year in fewer games than Trevor Lawrence will even play. I mean, probably won't, but he'll still be a top five pick in the NFL draft. Um, so Jake Fromm is sort of like this short guy who makes all these short throws, but nevertheless wins a lot of games because he's very accurate um and he's just sort of displaced every possible replacement for him and so now they brought in uh this season they brought in jamie newman from wake forest and jt daniels from usc but neither of those guys actually have been able to play this year newman opted out because of covid jt daniels is at a hamstring injury that's kept him out so they haven't or a knee injury rather they haven't played at all uh, Georgia played Dewan Mathis, who was their redshirt freshman, as opposed to literally starting a walk on. He kind of sucked against Arkansas. And so Bennett came on and dominated Arkansas. And he has been romping ever since. So he does have the third best quarterback rating in the entire country, only behind old Mrs. Matt Corral, which, talking about, like, there's some incredible names. These quarterback names, names They're are really... unbelievable. I feel like we're in some sort of movie. At this point, but Matt Corral from Ventura, California, he seems uh, the quarterback for the Ole Miss run Rebels. I don't know. I I, I almost can't believe it at this point, but it nevertheless is real. So but regardless, that Georgia team with probably the best defense in the country and Alabama with probably the best offense in the country. Or and when we say the country, we mean everywhere except for in Clem- on the Clemson football field. What do you think is going to happen on Saturday?
1: Um, if we play a game, I think the final score will most likely be 48-10 Alabama.
0: Remember, it is a night game. I feel like night games don't have quite as high scoring because the defenses aren't nearly as gassed. All right, like 30 48, 10. you really think that Georgia is going to suddenly turn into a pumpkin and Stetson Bennett isn't going to romp over? I know, it's never Alabama happened before, defense. right?
1: Georgia turning into a pumpkin? Man. Yeah,
0: I don't know. I mean... Georgia, I don't think, has any room to ever talk again after the way they got embarrassed by UT in the Sugar Bowl a couple years back. Just want to remind every Georgia fan of that because that was a lovely game to watch and prove that UT is just a lot better than Georgia and still has bragging rights over the SEC. Anyway, anyway, getting back to it. Yeah, I think that this is Bama's game. We, I like to talk about Mac Jones not being that trustworthy but he actually, he is very trustworthy. Alabama seems to always do this. I don't know if he's going to be a great NFL quarterback, but he seems to be good enough as a college football quarterback. So that's going to be good for him. And Alabama's defense, and well, lack of defense, Alabama's offense will carry them all the way to the national championship game, at which point they get
1: blown out when by Clemson. When they will lose to Clemson.
0: When they will lose to Clemson, as has already been decreed. But
1: anything else you want to add, or you think it's going to be all for today? I mean, there's usually only three teams in college football that matter anyway. And we are seeing two of them go
0: toe to Well, Ohio State is going to be the late challenger when they start their season. But we're seeing two of the teams that matter go toe-to-toe this Saturday. We'll see what happens. We'll see if, can UNC be for real? Are they going to knock off Clemson when they play them and send Trevor Lawrence down in the dumps? Let's find out. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. Uh, but yeah, so this is that's going to be all for this week. And we will see you guys on Monday, or I technically Tuesday, when we talk about our World Series preview. Right yeah, now, the Rays and the Braves. Right now, the Astros are still holding on to their slim three-two lead. It, we they've got two innings to go as we talk. I can't imagine that they're going to hold it, but regardless, so I'm excited to talk about Rays versus Brave slash Dodgers when we get to Monday. When we get to Monday night, we'll see you guys then.